they didn't give their babies away. They were coerced into mm. um, parting with their children. And they regretted it, most of them, regretted it all their lives. When I was five days old, the doctor persuaded her to give me up, so I was taken from her at five days old and um, taken to an orphanage. My adopted parents and my family never did anything to make me feel different, but I, it was just something in me, and I think this is something in all adopted people. <laughs> she wrote letters that are in my possession now, that at the time of my birth. And in one of the letters, she's expressing clearly that she didn't want to give me up. I remember my mother telling me about these letters, and I asked her, well, have you got them? Where are they? And um, she burned them. Was she doing it out of protection? She did it all out of protection, but she didn't realise that by lying to me and being dishonest to me, that she's, this is what screws you up mentally, <clears throat> you know, not having access to the truth. So I thought no matter what I find, even if she doesn't want to know me, I'm going to, I'm going to find out who I am. I was watching Coronation Street with Karen, Sean's sister, and there was a telephone call. Sean's been arrested on serious drugs charges. I turned to Karen and then all of a sudden we just broke down oh. and cried and just got hold of each other and hugged each other and just sat on the, on the couch crying. I got the charges, I heard what they were, my bloody eyes and they were bulging out. They came round the car and said, we fucked. My, my stomach just sank more, slowly more and more as we, as, as we got closer and closer. It was the thoughts of visiting your child in, in, in prison, uh, especially such a promising child. <coughs> Um, it's not what you think, you know, when you've got your children through university and grown up. It's not what you think is going to happen. Here we are in the studio for the first time. We have got my parentals. And <laughs> parentals. <laughs> What's a parental? <laughs> <laughs> so, how this is going to be structured today, my mum, as you can see, she has accomplished a lot by getting this book published after spending decades writing it. <laughs> it is the true story of her search for her natural birth mother, because my mum ended up in a situation of forced adoption. Back then, if you had a baby out of wedlock, you burned in hell. Mm -hmm. And the priests <laughs> would tell you, the mums, give the baby up. <laughs> or else you will burn in hell. Uh, even though the mums, quite often, mm. as in my mum's case, did not want to give the baby up. 
So first half is going to set the table for the story of the blue plastic cow. And then the second half is going to be having a son in Arizona prison. That'll be the second half. I'll just read the back of the book because I think it, it really um, gives a good description. Based on a true story, this is the tale of three strong women. Barbara, who as a child was given a blue plastic cow that would later change her life forever. Florrie, who adopted a baby to replace the child she had lost. Carol, forced to give up her daughter by an unforgiving society. Growing up in a loving northern working class family based on the banks of the River Mersey, Barbara felt that she was different. After accidentally discovering that she had been adopted, she was only given a part of the story. As a teenager unable to deal with the shock of what she had learned, she rebelled against her parents, finding solace in the exciting 1960s Liverpool music scene, spearheaded by the Beatles. <laughs> Decades later, Barbara discovered a tear-stained letter from her birth mother, containing heartbreaking words that would send her on a challenging 26-year quest to find Carol. Wow. So, <clears throat> my mum's book is now available in audio. All the links will be in the description box below this video if you want to check that out. It's very highly rated, much more highly rated than all of my books. <laughs> and Jen, who runs Boom and Jen, organic cotton clothing, the links will be in the description box as well, including Instagram. All right, mum. So, who was Carol? Um, Carol was my birth mother. Um, I don't really like using the term birth mother, so from now on I will call her Carol. And my adopted mother was Florrie, so I'll call her Florrie. Um, so Carol worked in the Land Army after World War II, and um, she worked on a farm in Cheshire, and that's where she met my father. Who, um, who was the farmer's son, and uh, his name was Thomas. And they got together, they had a relationship that lasted two years. Um, Carol got pregnant, and um, Thomas's mother, who was a very strong Methodist, who had 12 children, arranged a marriage. So... Um, Carol and Thomas were to be married and I would have lived happily ever after on the farm, maybe. <laughs> and I wouldn't have been born. <laughs> With the cows. With the cows, mm. yeah. And But um, Thomas called the wedding off three days before. Right, so how she must have felt, how Carol must have felt, so... Um, and I then was born in what was a workhouse, the Jericho Hospital in Manchester. And it was 1947 before the NHS had been set up. So, yes, I was born in a workhouse. And Carol went on then... Um, she reinvented herself, didn't what? she? What? No, no. Uh, what happened to me? Um, Carol, after I was born, um, she worked for a doctor. 
Um, I, and I don't know the whole story, but uh, she worked for a doctor and his wife, um, still in the north of England. And um, when I was five days old, the doctor persuaded her to give me up. So I was taken from her at five days old and um, taken to an orphanage. So what was the family's reaction then if this wedding had been arranged by Thomas's family, did you say? And then Thomas is the mm. one who's causing... He's jilting at the last minute after his family's arranged. Well, he, was thrown, he was thrown out of the farm, remember, wasn't he? He was thrown away yeah, from the farm. Yeah, was he? I, mm. Oh, wow. His mother threw him out, didn't she? <laughs> yes, his mother threw him out. Yes, and I, I remember him telling uh, telling me later that one time he went back to the farm and his brother come out with a shotgun to chase him, him off. He'd had a few pints. <laughs> so the family sided with Carol yes. then, did they? The family sided with Carol. They his must, own family. His own family must have sided with Carol. From from what he told me in later years, every they all liked Carol. She was intelligent, lively. She got on really well with them all. His mother particularly liked her. And his mother's sister, whose name was Barbara. And that's who I was called after, right. his mother's sister. But um, on reflection... If they had sided with her so much, why didn't they I was just about to ask help her? Yeah, with blood's going to be thicker than water. Why didn't they support her where to have me and uh, you know keep 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 her in the family? So who, who did she initially turn to? I've no idea. Did was there like a, did you say there was no social services or anything back then? There was social services. Um, there was social services, yes, because I actually have uh, records of my birth that were written at the time of um, of my birth. And they're not, nothing like as, um, you know, they are now, but they're quite brief. But there was quite a bit of information well, on them. Well, there was. The social there? work had stuff, didn't um, you? Yeah. yeah. And so all I know is what was written on that report. You see, what's the report? And um, the report says that she, that she didn't want to give me up at the time <clears> of my adoption. She did not want to give me up. She refused to sign the adoption um, certificates uh, on numerous occasions. It says in the report, uh, but but obviously, eventually, she did sign because I was adopted. But um, she also she wrote letters that are in my possession now that at the time of my birth, and in one of the letters she's expressing clearly that she didn't want to give me up. Um, but then in the next letter she's saying that the Catholic priest is telling her she must sign at once, and that she has to do what's best for the baby. So you see, this is. The, coer the coercion that was used on women at the time. Um, they didn't give their babies away. They were coerced into mm. um, parting with their children. And they regretted it, most of them, regretted it all their lives. So, um, so the pressures on her were intense then to give you up. And there was this, bath this struggle then, was the mental struggle. Yes, yes. But um, another reason I know she didn't give me up lightly is 
that somehow she <coughs> found, <coughs> yeah, somehow she found out where I lived, where I'd been adopted, which really wasn't allowed in those days. I don't think it's allowed now, really, no. but. Um, when you had a baby adopted, you, you signed it away and that was it. You have no rights. But somehow she found out where I lived in, in Widnes, in West Bank, and she came knocking on the door. My uh, Flory, my adopted mother, told me she came knocking on the door and she wanted to see me and she let her in because she, uh, Flory was a very, very kind woman. And... Um, Carol was visiting me then for, uh, from somewhere in Manchester. Flory said she was travelling to, to Widnes, which was quite a way in those days, you know, because the public transport wasn't that good, was it? And she was visiting me up until I was nearly uh, three. And But we were becoming too attached, Flory said to me. We were becoming too attached... And her mother said to her, my grandmother, said that, you know, that baby won't know who its mother is. It's going to be confused and you need to stop, stop these visits. And that's what Flory did. She stopped the visits. Don't you vaguely remember as Auntie Kath? You've got that very vague memory. Well, I'm going, yeah. yeah. When she had to part with me, she gave me the blue plastic cow. Got it here. Mm, wow. I've still got it here. <laughs> she gave it me after all those years. 70 odd years old, isn't it? <laughs> wow. Wow. And um, so that was my parting gift. So, in honour of her, I had to, uh, uh, that's why I named it the blue, blue Plastic Cow. That's what everybody asks why, why Blue Plastic Cow? But um, yeah, so it must have been very. Uh, very difficult for her really because she'd become attached to me and she had to part with me again so she parted me with me mm. when I was five days old and then it was again and I found out many years later from my mother that she had written letters um to my mother she, she moved away from the area then she moved away and she she was writing to my mother or as probably leaving a trail for me, I should imagine. And from Tunbridge Wells, my mother said, or Seven Oaks. Um, and I, I remember my mother telling me about these letters, and I asked her, well, have you got them? Where are they? And um, she burned them. So Flory burnt them? She burned mm. them. Okay. Flory burnt the letters because... She didn't want me to go looking for her. She said, I burnt them after one of your teenage tantrums. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, dear. Because she was afraid. She loved me and... Um, was she, she doing it out of protection? I think she was. In her own mind, she was doing it out. She did it all out of protection, but she didn't realise that by lying to me and being dishonest to me, that she's this is what screws you up mentally, <clears throat> you know, not having access to the truth. Yeah, the truth is all important, isn't it? Really, I mean, Flory just did it for the best intentions, it was a shame, really. Um, she didn't realize the, the importance of knowing where you come from. And that's all Barbara wanted to know, really, wasn't it? Let's go back to some of the early years, Mum. What are these pictures here? Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, I was adopted, Flory and Jim. 
we're a, a working class family, hard, salt of the earth, hard working, working class family. And they really loved me. And um, they lived in Widnes, which was an industrial town on the banks of the River Mersey, um, about 12 miles from Liverpool. So um, living on the banks of the River Mersey, I had a sort of a seaside upbringing. (laughs) (laughs) We used to play on the sand. And this is me with my two friends on what we call the Alley Rocks. rocks. Um, And then my dad had a boat on Spike Island. This is my father here. He had a boat on Spike Island. He used to go um, catching shrimps and... Shooting um, things. Shooting things. Ducks. <laughs> 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 Which my mum didn't like. She didn't like. Didn't like cleaning that. Cleaning that. No, no, no. And uh, I'll go down here because this is West Bank as well. We had a transporter bridge. This is it here. It was pulled down to make mm. way for the Jubilee Bridge. Is that the Roncalm Bridge? In the 60s. So called, yeah. And now we've got another bridge. What's the new, the new bridge called now? The, the Toll Road. Mersey <laughs> the Mersey Gateway. The Mersey Gateway. So this is me. I look about eight months old here, sat in the park with the transport. You look really happy. Don't so you? <laughs> yeah, well, that's not long after I was adopted. I was adopted at... I w- no, they got me at six months and the adoption papers were signed 12 months uh, later. That's so why did they go it. into the adoption programme? Could they not have children? Oh, they got oh, children yeah. already. Oh, they had? Yeah. Oh, yeah. My mum, uh, she had f- uh, three other children. My two brothers, Jimmy and Joseph, and my sister, Lily. And this is Lily. This is Lily and that's me and Lily. Yeah. Lily's like the kindest person ever, isn't she? <laughs> you know, this is me. In, this is me in Parsonage Road in West Bank. Um, this house was pulled down to make way for the uh, new bridge, and Lily was a, uh, a coronation queen. And this is me as a bridesmaid, coronation um, street parties, street parties <laughs> and everybody celebrated. West Bank was the sort of place where everybody knew everybody, and everybody went into everyone else's houses. But then we moved from West Bank to a council estate, and that's where this has taken. Is that Pine Avenue? Pine, Pine Avenue. Avenue, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm about 12 there, I think. So that is the age I was when I... Um, Found out. When I... Because, uh, <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, this is us at a caravan in Rill, in Wales, on holiday. Love Lily's knitted costume. So this is my mum and my dad, Florrie and Jim. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Jim, we used to call him my Jan. Mm-hmm. And until he was really old, he cycled to work, didn't he? Really? Yes. He did. Yeah, in a scrap in a scrapyard. He, he, he protected the scrapyard. <laughs> he broke his arm and he didn't do it anymore. <laughs> when I would go over there as a kid, it. he'd always have his pipe and his budgie. Yes. Was it Joey the budgie? Joey the budgie. <laughs> and he'd leave, he'd leave like 10, 20, 50p, depending on how old I was, <coughs> on the, under one of the ornaments on the mantelpiece yes. as my pocket money every week. But he did mm. one for all the grandchildren, yeah. so you yeah. all knew where your, po- where your yeah. 10 pence was, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so that's the age I was when I found out, because the, the biggest mistake Flory made, really is that she never told me that I was adopted. Yes. 
for, again, for she thought it was the right thing to do, that she was protecting me. Um, Did that make you lash out? No. So when I was 12, I found out by accident that I was oh. adopted by a therapist. I was having oh. therapy. and What uh, happened in that session? Well, it was all going very well. I'd done all these intelligence tests and puzzles, and then we were just chatting about the family. And he said to me, you do know you're adopted, don't you? Mm. What, plain as day? <laughs> yeah. So I'm saying well. this to a 12-year-old girl. Well, mm. it wasn't good, was it? What was your reaction? <laughs> and I didn't. Yeah. Well, uh, there's a, the, the, <clears throat> chap, the chapter in the book is it's a good description, isn't it, of my... of the, Like, it's like the world stopped, stood still. Mm. You know, when you're in an accident and everything stops... Well, that's what it was like for me. Everything just stopped. And all these memories of things that had happened, hints... Did it all click into that, place? That, that are all in the book, all clicked into place. Mm. Um, and it all made sense then, all these strange things that had happened. And plus, I always felt different. My... My adopted parents and my family never did anything to make me feel different. But I, it was just something in me. And I think this is something in all adopted people. When I saw, <laughs> when I saw you with your siblings, before I knew, I always thought you looked different. Yeah. They looked a bit, they looked similar and what you looked different. What age did you find out that <laughs> adopted? I can't remember. It was like, when mum started a search. Uni, was I? When you were in mm. your forties, I think, wasn't it? When your mum started a search, then you were, you and Carol were both <coughs> told. Yeah. yeah. If we if we go back to um, to uh, to me finding out, I became quite rebellious. Yeah. I I hated my mum for not being my mum. You know, I I mean, I was twelve, so or thirteen. I I um. I knew sort of vaguely the facts of life. You never told the facts of life in those days. But I knew about these children that were born out of wedlock and how everybody whispered about them and, oh, you know, such a body's having a baby and, you know, she she, she has to go away and have the baby. Well, it was a sin, wasn't it, in the Catholic community? It was a sin, mortal sin, more or less. Yes, yes, to have sex outside of marriage. I mean, people can't imagine it today, but that's how it was. And... So I knew about these children and then all of a sudden, oh, I'm one of these children. I'm a bastard, you know, I'm, and I, and I felt, um, I felt inferior. Um, so I turned against my mum. When I, when I came out of hospital, I wouldn't speak to her. Um, you know, we, we had a difficult relationship, but she made it worse by... When I, she sat me down and said she was going to explain it to me. But what she did do was she blackened my biological mother, mother's mm. character, saying that she was one of these girls who got into trouble and that she, you know, she didn't want me, that I was abandoned and that if she hadn't have come to the orphanage and, te- and took me, I'd still be there. 
But which was rooted in love because she didn't want to lose you to someone else. Oh, that, yeah. Yes, it, it was. was yeah. The whole, I must say this, I loved Flory and she loved me. She was a brilliant mother-in-law. Terrific. Very, very kind. Kind to everyone. Gave a tramp outside the Sunday dinner when she saw him. Oh, I don't know why I'm getting she. so upset. <laughs> she just... was very kind. It was just, she didn't read it properly and that's just unfortunate. And, uh, yeah, I was adopted by a lovely family and um, <clears throat> Lily was just like, if I always say this, if I'd had to choose a sister, I would have chosen Lily. To this day, isn't she? She's solid, isn't she, Lily? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I spent many a young year um, in the house playing with Lily's kids, <laughs> didn't I? Yeah. 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 So, um, so yeah. So, so I became rebellious, and then a, a few years later, I couldn't forgive her for not telling me really. Um, and 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 she still didn't tell me the truth. She 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 still didn't tell me about mm. Catherine writing the letters or anything. I just thought, I just thought I'd been abandoned. Um, so what I did, <clears throat> excuse me, I just buried it deep. I didn't want to think about it or talk about it. I didn't. I couldn't have even imagined going off it, looking for this woman who'd abandoned me. <clears throat> you know, it was the last thing I'd want to do. Um, but at the same time, I hated Flory. Somebody asked me that, about why all your vengeance seemed to have been um, centred on your mum rather than the rest of the family. And I find that difficult to answer, really. Is it because you were close to her? She was the closest Probably. person well, she to She was the main focus, wasn't yeah. she, really, where the information was coming from as well at the same exactly. time. So, yeah. so how did that angst materialise as a teenager? Yeah, well, um, it coincided with the, um, the Mersey scene, the Beatles and all the, <laughs> the, the whole... Uh, that was like your rave scene. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> your rave scene. The cabin scene. club yeah. and all yeah. the yeah. men clubs in Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. so um, I, I started to work. I, went, I got a job in Liverpool as a secretary and um, I used to go to lunchtime sessions at the cavern oh it was so exciting Liverpool was such a place so you're bopping so away on your lunch it was, oh, yeah. yes. can you believe going to lunchtime sessions it was just good exercise just get away from that just, desk and yeah. get that body moving <laughs> it was and it was just buzzing Liverpool I saw them at the cavern Numerous times. What was the first songs you heard from the Beatles? Um, Love Me Do was the first was the first record. Was it? it? Yeah. Big well, hit. they were actually before they became famous. They were in. They came to witness the town where I lived, and they did uh, three concerts on three consecutive weeks. The Queen's Hall. The Queen's Hall. Is that mm. still so going, I, the Queen's Hall? <laughs> no, it's no. flats now. Really? I've been there, mm. haven't I? So I saw them when I was 15 yeah. at the Queen's Hall. Yeah. But then later. So my rebellion, really, I, I didn't do anything so terrible, We've really. stayed out late. Staying out late. Started drinking. Getting drunk. Smoking and smoking drinking. Smoking and drinking. <laughs> yeah. You're grossing her up now. <laughs> 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 well, she said she didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get it in. It's all the usual. Oh. It's all the usual teenage things, but yeah. maybe I did it a bit more, and yeah. and I sort of, if my mother tried to say anything to me about it, made it, worse. it was you're yeah. not my real mother. Mm. You're not my real mother. You can't tell me what oh. to do. 
I was a horror. I really was a horror. Temporarily. Temporarily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, you're processing so, it all. That was that was why you were mm, your brain yeah. shock. Processing but I still never. T- I d- I very rarely uh, spoke to people about it. Um, Rita, my f- a childhood friend, she knew. I, sp- um, I spoke to her about it. But apparently a very sad thing Rita told me a lot later mm. on was that my mum went to her house and uh, she was crying over my behaviour. And she asked Rita to, would she talk to me about it and try and get through to me? Wow. You know, so... <clears throat> so I do, I do sort of know that Flurry suffered as well. Um... Because in the book, <clears throat> I've written the first part, half of the book in third person. It's, it's, it's like a story. Because um, there's parts of it that I couldn't possibly have known. I couldn't, when I was six months old, I couldn't know Flory's thoughts. So I've written it as a story. But it's based on the, all the true facts. Um, and I, uh, I did it as well because I found it easier for me emotionally I could distance myself. I was talking about the baby or the child or about Barbara. So it wasn't strictly about me. Mm-hmm. And um, it helped me. Because sometimes I'd be sat at the computer crying, you know, because people say it's cathartic, don't mm. they? <clears throat> but it was in a way. <clears throat> and it quite often is cathartic, but... I think it can also, it can bring it all back. It can bring it all back to you, you know. So um, it wasn't easy to write it. But I wanted to write it because I wanted people to understand what it is like to be adopted. Mm. Or to get some of you... I don't think anyone can really understand unless they've been adopted themselves. But um, I tried to get across some of the emotional impact in the book. And I think I've succeeded quite well because a lot of other adopted people have bought the book and read it and they they relate out to everything in it, you know. So I think I did do quite a good job there, yeah. So considering you found out this information from a therapist, did you continue therapy throughout finding, you know, obviously finding out with your mother 12 years old? No. No? No, I didn't have therapy. I should have done this is this is the awful thing. Um, you know, I should have had therapy, but I mean, my mum was very much against me seeing the psychiatrist. Mm. Uh, what the reason I saw him? Um, it wasn't for behaviour. It was I'd had a brain operate. I'd had a, tr- a brain tumour, which fortunately was benign and was it, it wasn't as bad as they thought. No. But th- I saw the uh, psychiatrist to uh, to do intelligence tests and oh. to test my cognitive abilities. So. After the operation, right? Wow. You said you had a brain tumor. As if it was just an afterthought, then. Yeah, yeah. That's a major thing on yeah. on many people's lives for that to happen. It is. How how did how did the, how did you know? What were the symptoms of that? How did you Oof. know you had to go in? <laughs> I didn't think this would be part of the story, really. But yeah, I, I was not. Uh, no, I was. Um, how old was I? Ten, eleven. T- uh, 
I was, it was, I, yeah, it was, it was just as I found out, it was mm. nice, I was about 12. Blinding headaches. Yeah, I had Ooh. blinding Ooh. headaches, banging my head against the wall. Screaming with screaming pain. Screaming with oh, pain. Yeah. But mm. obviously, I mean, going back then, I'm 74 now, going back then, there were no scans so it was pretty much... Uh, no they, just, they just go in. They just diagnose <gasps> you on the symptoms, that what you were telling yeah. them. So I was diagnosed they, with this And they get the saw out. It's a look and see. Let's have a look and see, isn't it? A look and see. The drill. <laughs> the drill. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so the doctors told um, Florian Jim that if I had the operation, I would could more likely be... Um, impaired, impaired, got yeah. be cognitively impaired in some way, or I would die. <laughs> One or the other. But and what, and what Flory was... asked what the uh, alternative was, oh. and he said, "Well, just more and more pain and eventual death." Anyway, oh. so. What was the operation back then? I had two scars down the back of my head. So I don't know. I don't know. You don't know exactly what they I, did. I don't know exactly no. what they were Medical records seem to disappear. Strangely, the medical records seem to disappeared at that time. So they remove right. a section of the skull then, did they, and go in and well, take it out? Well, they would have done, wouldn't they? I guess because well, your head was all, your hair was all shaved at the back, wasn't yes, it? Yes. Yeah, and I've got two scars down the back of my head. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. But fortunately, I was. <laughs> it was a matter of opinion. <laughs> What's your, your compass mentors? I'm, I'm compass mentors. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, so that was how the therapist. That 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 was the mm. therapist. Yeah, whether he got told off for for doing sure this. Got so Flurry never forgive him because she thought that if he hadn't have told me, that would have been it, and she could have kept. It was all it. his fault. He would have she found out eventually. Have, yes, yes. So, but it might have been even worse. I don't know, or maybe mm. when I was more mature. It's just at twelve, thirteen. It's like the worst age, isn't it? You're just mm. coming up to puberty, and we best move on to the what triggered you to search then. Um. Well, I was married. I had you and Karen, and I was forty. And um, one day, I was sorting out rubbish. Uh, we were we lived at Hillview. Hillview then, then we moved yeah. house, and uh, I came across the blue plastic cow, which miraculously had survived all these years. <laughs> I didn't really know what it was, so it's amazing that I still had it because none of my other toys had survived. But there it was, and I, it was va vaguely. I just felt its mystery, its um, its power in a way. <laughs> it, it, it was. <laughs> did the cow speak to you? It moved. Well, yeah. it did in a way. It did it speak. It, it did actually speak to you in a way. Yeah, yeah. in its yeah. own way. Well, it did really. It was like it was like one of those moments in your life when you know. You can't explain it, but things sort of come together and you feel as though you've got to act, you've got to do something. Synchronicity. Yeah. So mm. I thought no matter what I find, even if she doesn't want to know me, I'm going to I'm gonna find out who I am. Because mm. one of the one of the things my mum, Flory, used to say to me was, mm. I don't know where I got you from. When you're behaving badly. When I was behaving that. badly. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, I know a lot of parents say that to their kids. Oh, I don't know where I got you from. But for me, it seemed to have a special mm. significance somehow. Yeah. And 
sometimes she did say, I don't know what that one who had you was like, you know, um, which, you know, wasn't good. But I want, no matter what, I thought, well, no matter what that one who had me was like, I'm going to find out for myself, mm. no matter what. And the law was actually changed in 1975 in this country. So adoptees did actually have access to the birth records. But at that time, I wasn't in a place where I could have coped with it. Right. So this was, I was 40 in what, when? Uh, uh, 1987. 1987. <clears throat> but in the 1980s, I was determined. And the first thing you do is you, you contact the so, social services uh, to get access to your birth records. And they have to counsel you to make sure mm. that your motives are, uh, you know, that your motives, you know, you could be out for revenge or whatever. Mm. So um, I wasn't immediately given my birth records, which I felt very resentful about because the social worker to me represented the authorities that had kept me in the dark about this mm. all my life. So... I, the social worker was, she was a very nice lady, very nice lady, but, uh, and she was very helpful. So <clears throat> we got the birth records, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, you, you, you went on to the office first to see the lady, and she? She went through, yeah, I went to, to the, the office records. and she went through it all. Uh, she told me about uh, Carol being in the land army. Um, I only found all that out when I was 40. I didn't know. I was completely in the dark as a child. Well, f I was kept completely in the dark, yeah. Um, so... Well, there were telegrams and letters off your mum. The telegrams were quite incredible to see a, a telegram from oh, 1947, yes. uh, the, yeah, the 48. Week after, the week after I'd seen the social worker... She came round with A couple these. of weeks after mm. I was counselled by the social worker... She came to the house, um, she rang up and she said, I've got some letters from your mother. Now, these are different from the letters that Florrie burned. These are different These letters. are in between the adoption thing, aren't they? The, these, no. Those letters were, uh, that Florrie burned were written when she told Catherine not to come to the house anymore. These are between Carol and the Adoption Society and the Catholic Church and... Signing the form and so on. I don't want to sign the form. I'm going to so, sign the so form. These, Back le <coughs> these letters. letters that she gave the telegrams. me, but they're absolutely heartbreaking. Incredible. Oh, there were yeah. letters, and it's all about how she was crying by having to give me away, how, how difficult it was for her to, to give me away, and the tears that she'd shed, and how she'd changed her mind in one of them. And that she she would keep me and try to manage on her own. Just can I just say this bit as well? There's there's one of them where she says, now this is significant. She said, I broke my arm so I can't sign the form. Clearly she hadn't broke her arm. She was just saying that in order to yeah. not have to do it. So she was really struggling with him, yeah. fighting hard not to not to do it. She would she wouldn't have done it if she had any choice and she wasn't given one. And that was the first time you found out that... Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Wow. 40 years old. So I suddenly found out that um, Carol didn't want to give me up. Mm. <laughs> that, she, that she must have really loved me. <clears throat> that she struggled to give me up. And that she found out where I lived. That she was visiting me. And that she, she had to give mm. me up again when I was three. So... 
I just felt a desperate, desperate need to find her then. I mm-hmm. thought, I, because I knew that she'd want me, I knew that she'd want to see me, that she'd want to know how I was. So it was a... Um, it kick-started your search, didn't it, that, really? That, that, that kick-started mm. the search. Mm. So uh, we went through the records, didn't we, together. Derek Derek has been wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we went you, through electoral roles in various towns. all of this... Um, this search mm. right from the beginning. Uh, I, I found it an, did, quite an adventure, really, to be honest did with you. Did yeah, you? Oh, I did, yeah. I thought yeah. it was really exciting. <laughs> I knew Barbara was suffering over this all the years and so on, but I found it all, all the whole thing an exciting adventure. Well, one day, we won't go through it all, but one day um, I was sat in work at, uh, mm. at my typewriter and the phone rings. <laughs> and it was I, I just like the typewriter. Yeah. <laughs> typewriter. No Mac. No, no, no. Yeah, typewriter. Ding. Yeah, back in the dark age. Yeah, <laughs> <in> the <laughs> and the phone rings and it's Derek saying telling me that he'd found my father. I said, Are Thomas. you sitting down? Oh yes. so it was Are you, you sitting who found down? Him. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What it was, we had these records from the social work and it had various addresses. It had uh, mm-hmm. Carol's last address in Colm, which we went up to at one stage. But anyway, one day I decided, I was at work, I decided, well, I'm going to go and look at them records again. I had his last known address in this town, which I won't mention. I thought, well, I bloody well go there. So I went there, I just drove there in the car, a little cul-de-sac, knocked on the door, nobody in. I'm not giving up. Went mm-hmm. next door, I'm dressed in a business suit. So this old lady comes through, I said, do you know Tom? And she said, Thomas, yeah, whatever his surname was. <laughs> and she said, yes, he's moved from there, but he's only around the corner. Ah, have you I got do. his address? <laughs> yes, you have. Give him his address. So I shot round the corner, semi-detached house, knocked on the door, no reply, dog barking at the back. Goes round the side, this man with a flat cap coming towards me, scratching his head. And I said, are you Thomas? He said, yeah, who are you? I said, do you remember the baby, Barbara? Oh, I remember the baby, Barbara, he said, as if it was like, a, you know, this, this mystery. I thought it was a while before you remembered No, it no, he remembered it pretty quickly. Right. And he said, I remember the baby. It was, Ca- it was uh, Carol he didn't remember. It was the baby he did significantly oh, remember. Oh, right. He said, yeah. I said, well, I'm uh, married to Barbara. <laughs> I said, we're trying to find Carol. I said, I'd not come here to bother you, to upset you, anything like that. We just want to know if you've got any information about Carol, if you can share it with us. And he said, well, uh, he was in a state of shock. He said it was Carrie, didn't he? Carrie. I knew her as Carrie. That's it, yeah. He said, that that, I, it. I knew her as that's Carrie. I knew her as Carrie. Uh, that's what yeah. he, when I said the, the first name, it wasn't recognisable to him because he knew her as his Carrie. So I said, have you got any information? But he was too shocked. Mm. I said, will you talk to Barbara? Well, he gave me his phone number. I said, we'd ring him back and maybe conversation would take place. And that, that was it. And that's when I rang Barbara from a phone box around the corner. No mobile phones in them days, so pennies <laughs> in. I thought, geez, I've got really big news. We're going to find her in a few weeks. So, so as you can imagine, I was totally shocked. I was delighted, but totally shocked. Mm. Um, because we'd, there was quite a bit of information on the records, and we'd done various things, hadn't we? You know looked in records since Catherine's house and looked up different records. But but we we wasn't getting anywhere. The thing is, we? at that time you looked at all records, you don't really think that someone's still living there. But that day I thought to myself, well, he might be. 
or someone might know of him. But as I said, you'd only move around the corner, which people didn't move very far in them days, even now, so I suppose. Well, he didn't because he was... No, a, he didn't. He was a, as he said, he was a, a Cheshire lad and he never mm. moved very far. He never wanted no. to. Well, and no. he told me that that was one of the problems with the relationships because uh, Carol had big ideas and she wanted mm. to travel and do this and this, you know, so... Um, he was rooted to the land, wasn't he, basically? Yes. That was his whole, yeah. you yeah. know. But um, they, they, they were both strong characters, I think. They both had very strong characters, and I think that was another issue mm. as well. When you see natural dad's face for the first time, what's going through your head? <laughs> <laughs> Do a lot like him, probably, wasn't it? Do a lot like oh, him. Oh, yeah. There's a whole chapter on this, isn't it? Well, there? go on, give us the build-up to how you actually physically... <laughs> Or in his presence. Um, that was after a few months of phone calls and stuff. Oh, wasn't straight yeah, away. He, he, did, he wouldn't see me straight away. He didn't want to see me straight away. He uh, he prevaricated, didn't mm, he? For a while, and yeah. he didn't want his daughters. He had two daughters uh, to, his, to his wife, who he married three years after uh, he left Carol. He, uh, he, he married, and then a few, it was a couple of years later then he had uh, two daughters... But he said he didn't want them <clears throat> to know about me because he'd brought them up strictly. And he, he told did... his wife, by the way, hadn't he? <laughs> yeah, he told he, his wife. He brought them up strictly and he didn't want to tell them that he had an illegitimate child. Mm. So, I mean, how mm. hypocritical is that? Mm. Yeah. So he didn't want the apple cart upsetting, <laughs> didn't want the apple cart things mm. coming out and so on. upsetting, really. But you got to see him in the end. So uh, eventually he did agree to... We had telephone calls. Mm. Before I called him quite often. and uh, But he couldn't remember a lot about, about her. Over the years really. he got bits of info. Uh, and these phone calls went on for years because it, it took me 26 years to actually fi find out what happened to her. But... Um, so I had these phone calls every week, but he never rang me once, ever. Mm. It was always my instigation. Um, I told him in the beginning I didn't want anything from him. All I wanted was information about Carol. Um, so, I told, so I did make that quite clear. But I did ask him, as time went on, if I could meet... I asked him repeatedly if I could meet my sisters, but he wouldn't... He have you allow it, and I had to met your sisters. Uh, yes, I have. Yeah, I have. Yeah, okay. yes, I, I have met my two sisters. And yeah. what's the relationship like? Yes, we have a good relationship. Yes, uh, we uh, the sister who lives in Cheshire. We 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 <coughs> before COVID, we met up every month for uh, uh, lunch at, uh, at at the garden centres. Mm. Yeah, and Lily. Came mm. to. So you met your dad for the first time, Ron. How did that come about? And he met uh, Karen as well on one time. Oh, the f he, he agreed after much, uh, many phone calls, he, he actually agreed to see me. And it was terrifying. I was absolutely terrified because I didn't know how I'd react. I didn't want to cry. I, I just, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I met him uh, out, out in the Cheshire countryside. and uh, uh, Was it a church car park or something like that? Oh, we met in a church car mm. park, yes. 
And then you got in his car was, and drove to where he had It was weird, cattle. really. I remember seeing him getting out of the car and... Um, I was writing a letter to you in America, actually. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I was Which we'll get I, on to later. No. What year was this then? This, <laughs> this was... You were yeah. there. I, um, I, I arrived too early uh, uh, for the meeting, and I sat in the church car park. And to pass the time, I had an A4 pad. I started writing to Sean, telling him. He was in America then, living in America. And I was writing to him, telling him... Uh, what I was doing that I was in this and then all of a sudden I saw this car pull up and <laughs> I said I wrote oh he's here it looks as though he's here <laughs> and uh, yeah it was terrifying uh, and he, he he came across and we we sort of hugged and uh, I was just so terrified. I, I was I was just so terrified of crying I just didn't want to make a scene so I really 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 calm myself down but I, I looked like him and his side of the family um, mm. more than my mother's yeah. side of the family yeah we've got the same eyes same colour eyes yeah mm. so he was slim wasn't he slim and sturdy slim and sturdy wasn't that tall <clears throat> was he I don't think no, no what were the different. first things you said to each other Hello. <laughs> <laughs> you made it then. You found oh, it. Just right. small talk about the Usual about stuff, the journey. It? Yes, yeah. But um, he, he did. T he told me more about the relationship as after this first meeting, we had more phone calls, and gradually over the years, he gradually revealed more and more about the relationship, although he couldn't remember. Um, it was him who he he told me what a a lively person she was and how everybody loved her and she got on very well with people. She was very outgoing. She loved people and she was writing letters everywhere and uh, so he told me all about her character and yeah he, he often said oh we could have made a go of it we could have made a go of it. He said he was he was it was an awful thing that he did. But he was young and selfish, and it, he meant it, calling the wedding off was an awful thing. Yeah, yeah. oh, yeah, calling right. the not yeah, calling the <clears> wedding <throat> off was an awful thing to do to her, and um, that it because it was it was him that told you about the wedding. Barbara didn't know about that at the um, time. He explained that gradually over over months and months and months, and that was quite staggering to find out a wedding was planned and. Carol was living at the farm house, getting ready for this wedding, and two or three days before, yes. bump. Yeah, she was living at the house. Yeah, I didn't know any of this because my mum didn't know any of this. My mum, or she, if she did, she didn't tell me. So that it was, was him. Mm. After I was, I've only found all this out after I was forty. All about. Um, so it, it was worth going. Um, oh, the conversation was worth it, and yeah. finding that they had a proper relationship was, mm. you know, because you think well. I remember the social worker saying to me, if you decide to look, you have to be prepared mm. for anything. She said, you could be the product of rape, incest, anything. <clears throat> she said, a lot of adoptees think, you know, they're going to, the, the birth parents are going to be uh, rich and make their life <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> but she, <laughs> and make up for everything. But that isn't always the case, she said, you know. And quite often whether that's still the case today, but she said quite often, you you know, you can get the 
door shut in your face because mm. if your mother has married again and not told her husband that she had a child before she was married, it could cause an awful lot of problems in the marriage. So uh, even though from those from the letters I've gotten, from the fact that she was visiting me, I knew she would want to see me and I had to find her. But it was that also was in my mind that has she told a new family? If she has a new family, has she told them? And uh, uh, that that's that that's what holds a lot of adoptees back. Oh, I yeah. think the fear of having yeah. the door shut in the face again. There's one there's one example in the book that I, we went to St Catherine's house where all the birth records are kept. And uh, we went with this group, this NARCAP group. That's it. They help um, people look for their, uh, 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 you know, for their birth parents. And there was this one man who was there, and he'd traced his whole family over the years. He knew them all. He knew where they all lived. He'd sat outside their houses, mm. and he and this had been going on for about ten years. He'd never had the courage to knock on the door. Mm. He didn't want that wow. second rejection. It was better the way it was left. Wow. Sad, yeah. So it? I was sad so I felt froze. so sad for him. Yeah. You know. So mm. this is these are the emotions that um, I think uh, people who aren't adopted. It's hard for them to understand really. And uh, there's one small point we should make about this as well: the fact that. She was so hard to find because there was never a record of her date of birth. We never knew her birth date. We knew vaguely the years in between or whatever, but there was no date of oh, birth. Oh, no, on the, on the social worker's report, she hadn't given a proper date of birth, mm. a full date year. of birth. Mm. So what we've got here then is a two-hour story because you've only just found your dad right now. So do you want to just finish with your activism and then you can come back and do part two? <laughs> where you yeah. continue the search for your mum because it's still another hour we're, at, we're almost at the because hour because the emotional content yes. of that is quite draining for your mum so that's probably the right thing to yeah, do so yeah so you're you're now doing activism aren't you online adoption with people who are in the forced adoption community oh yes and you've set up a facebook yes. page for yeah. adoptees well, and so on yes because the books cause this ripple effect hasn't it Oh, yes, yes. Um, well, since writing the book, I have uh, there's var various adoptees have read it and they've been in touch with me. And uh, I've set up a Facebook page for adoptees to tell their stories. What's it called? Um, we'll put it below the video. Uh, adoption Chat? Adoption Chat. Chat, isn't it, yeah? And stories. Adoption Chat, chat and, and stories, stories, yeah. I can give you the link. It's a private group, so that you have to apply to... Join. What's so the you'd conditions? Ha you'd have <laughs> <laughs> non drinking, non smoking, no drugs. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to be a dot interested. So, what do they interested. email you to apply? Is that what interested. they have to do? Interested. Well, no, find if a page. If oh, okay. Find the page and find apply me on Facebook. for an invite. Okay. Yeah. So, we'll put the link below. A lot yeah. of clause groups do that anyway. <laughs> but mm. also, uh, when, I, when you first published Blue Plastic Cow, Karen and your dad, Karen and. My sister. John's sister Karen and Derek put me on Twitter. 
Oh, yeah. I had, no, I absolutely... You went viral overnight. I went, <laughs> I went viral overnight. I had a thousand followers. I had a clue. I still, I'm still not very good on Twitter. All these Twitter people, please forgive me because I never know who I'm replying to. So you'll have to excuse that. But what I found on Twitter is... is um, a whole community of adoptees, most of them younger than me. I'm probably the oldest one on there. <laughs> but uh, the, the, to have a whole <clears throat> different approach to adoption. I was ashamed of being adopted. I kept it hid. I didn't tell anybody. I even believed that adoption was probably the right solution to uh children born out of, you know, unplanned pregnancies. Um, but attitudes have changed so much, and I'm only... They call it coming out of the fog on Twitter. <laughs> I think at fog? 74, I'm only just coming out of the fog. And I realise... And, and, and realising that most of my depression and mental health problems that I've had relates back to being separated from a mother at five days old and then being separated from her again of and then not knowing my roots always feeling I was different and that there was something missing from my life although I didn't know what it was and um, mm -hmm. just being lied to really not knowing the truth it's a it's a basic human right to know who who you, what your biology is, who your parents are. I know that there's lots of biological parents. I mean, I, I get this sometimes, you know. My parents were terrible to me. You you know, this they did this and this to me from different people. But you're, you're, you had lovely parents. You know, I said, yes, I, I did have lovely parents. I said, but no matter what your parents did to you, you knew who they were. You knew your biology, you knew you knew who you were. And, um, you know, I accept that argument, but it, it, it's something, it's this, uh, I don't know, it, it is hard to explain. I have tried to do it in the book, this feeling of alienation. And there's one late girl on Twitter, I hope she, she won't mind me using her <coughs> handle. She, she calls her handle on Twitter is... Uh, a blueberry in a bowl of raspberries. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I think that sums it up. It's, <laughs> it's lovely. I really think it sums it up, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Although, I'll say again, I love my brothers and sisters. I love my parents. And I, I, I still love all my fam adopted family to bits. Um, Oh, and I joined this movement, um, or, well, not necessarily join, but support, MAA. It's the Movement for an Adoption Apology in the UK. So uh, it's mothers who, who were coerced historically into giving up their children, their babies. And um, it's spearheaded by um, Anne Keane, who was an ex-Labour MP, and she's now an advisor to the Labour government on, in the National Health. And uh, she had a, a son when she was 17 that she had to give up. And Duncan Kennedy has made a documentary for the BBC 
you, you could put that link in. Uh, yeah, the whatever link you send us, we'll put down because there. the the mothers in this documentary, they they're expressing how they felt when they had to part with their babies, mm. and none of them wanted to part with their babies. It's just they didn't have support from their families, and they were they were told there was no support. When in actual fact, I think the law changed in. I think it was 1948, and it gave mothers um, the same rights as widows. So they did have rights to benefits and to housing, but they were never told. Mm. Mm. They were never told. The social workers, the church, doctors, they all um, joined together to, co to coerce these <laughs> poor girls... Into giving up the uh, into giving up the babies, like a conspiracy, and, really, wasn't it? Yeah, when you think about it. And they were treated mm. dreadfully. And uh, it says in the documentary that one of the midwives refused to give her painkiller when she was giving birth because she said that you, if you suffer, you'll remember and you won't do this again. <laughs> Attitudes. So, so people say, "Well, why do they want? Why should you? Why do they want an apology now? After all this time, <clears throat> well, they want an apology because they were treated by society, an unforgiving, moralistic society. They were, they were treated. They were made to feel like dirt, evil women. Mm. Um, whereas the men who got them pregnant, you know, just went off and nothing else was thought of it. I'm not saying that." There are men who's I I have got stories of, of well of of couples who because they were they weren't they wasn't married had to give their baby up wow. and then they later got married but because they had the child adopted they had no rights to the child I mean that's even that's terrible isn't it really mm -hmm. so th these ladies do need an apology and there. They they have got an inquiry now. Um, Harriet Harman is mm. um, uh, in charge chair, yeah. chairing the inquiry, mm. and they've asked uh, women who uh, during that period who uh, who were coerced to give evidence to this inquiry and adoptees as well. I mean, I gave I written evidence. You, they sent a survey around, so. Unfortunately, that closed on the 28th of October. So uh, th there's no more evidence now, but I'm sure they've got low, lots and lots of evidence, yeah. So they're hoping for an apology, but not just an apology, really. These women should have counselling. Mm. You know, they're still suffering now. The, 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 you know, Anne, uh, when she got my book, she couldn't read it because she said she'd be so upset. Mm. And um, I felt like the when I watched that documentary, the voices of the mothers, it was like my mother speaking mm. to me, you know, and I felt her pain through through those mothers. It's yeah. um, it, it was a terrible, terrible situation. But from what I gather on Twitter, this is still going on in uh, in different countries around the world, mm. and. And still, to a certain extent, in in U, the UK as well, 
and adoptees are being denied access to the birth records. In Texas, apparently, it's illegal. Many U.S. states to get to to to, to <clears throat> act, try to get access to your birth records, you become a criminal. Mm-hmm. So, so it's it's this attitude still uh, is is terrible. So, there's, mm. adoptees need a voice. They need a voice. They need someone to speak up for them and to recognise um, to recognise the 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 mental scars. Uh, you know, even if you've been adopted into a loving family, and a lot of people adopt, most people adopt children. You know, they love them and they care for them and they look after them. There are people who adopt children and they don't care for them and they don't look after them, as there are biological <clears throat> parents who don't look after the children. You know, but... Um, but, yes, it's... Um, it, uh, uh, adoptees need a voice and it needs it does need to be recognised, the mental scars... Uh, and your your book has become a voice. My voice. Well, I hope my book, the my link, book is a voice. The link is down there in the description box below the video. You can see where I got my youthful looks from. There's a band <laughs> in the 1960s. Oh, this is me in the 60s. Looking very yeah. chic there, Mum, yeah. aren't you? You do look fabulous. Yeah. yeah. Actually, this is my family, the adopted family. There, they are my two brothers, Jimmy and Joseph. Hi. Jimmy and Joseph. That's there's Lily. Lily. There's and there's Larry and Jim. Oh, wow. Yeah. My dad was a lovely man, Jim, wasn't yeah. he? That dress is fabulous that you're wearing, yeah. <laughs> My dad's got a bit of a wild glint in his eyes up there, hasn't he? <laughs> Doing a, about to do an Irish... Ah, to be sure, no, Sylvia. Catch yourself on, boy. <laughs> so, this section is son in prison Ooh. may 16th 2002 <laughs> there was a knock on my door bow, 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 bow. <laughs> anyway i got swat team raided on that day you get a phone call don't you at some point after that yes um i was watching coronation street with karen sean's sister and there was a telephone call so i picked up the phone and it was uh, Derek's sister Anne, who lives in Arizona, and uh, she said to me, uh, "Are you all right?" She said, "I've got something to tell you." I thought, "Oh yeah, yeah." And she said, "Sean's been arrested on serious drugs charges." Well, it just didn't register. Somehow, it just didn't <laughs> register. <laughs> She said that he, uh, there was a, uh, she gave me um, an address. Uh, uh, she told me what the prison that you were in <clears throat> and how you could be contacted. And I just continued the conversation, asking her, oh, and how, how are your kids? And how's, <laughs> it, it was, it was weird. <laughs> it just, I was in such a shock that it, it hadn't registered properly what? with me. What? threw you off more hearing the, from the doctor that you've been adopted or that <laughs> that call um i think there was a bit of both really mm. <laughs> i think i don't think i can um i could decide which was the which was the most traumatic, Equally traumatic. Really. yeah yeah right um so i told i turned to karen and i told karen and she was the same. She was, it was like it 
didn't register with her and we were sort of dancing round the house and what to the fact that he'd been arrested (laughs) (laughs) we were just behaving in a a strange way bizarre it was surreal wasn't it a bizarre way and then all of a sudden we just broke down and cried and just got hold of each other and hugged each other and just sat on the on the couch crying basically and then um, I came home from work mm. was told the news said what's happened what's going on um, I don't think I rang Anne straight back I had this telephone number for Towers I think it was Towers, Towers Jail, Jail yeah. Maricopa County so I rang Jail. them very difficult to get through I think I did speak to you at, at that time or was it just your charges I got over the phone you got the charges first the charges yeah that was it I remember now we got the ch- I got the charges I heard what they were my Bloody eyes and they were bulging out. They came round the corner and said, we're fucked. She said, Sean is, uh, is facing a, a long time in... Did you quite believe it? No, I didn't. I didn't at all. Um, I thought there was a mistake. It's definitely not Sean. He's not done anything like that. You know, he's a stockbroker. He's earning money over there. He's not done anything wrong. You just don't want to believe it. It's probably the biggest part of it. You don't want to believe it. Um, so yeah, I came round and said, it, we, we goose, we, we finished, and so on and so forth. I think that same night we did have a phone call with yourself, didn't we? Because that's when you mentioned about we need as much money as possible because we need the best yeah. life, because I'm facing something. I don't know whether you mentioned 200 years at that point. The second year, we were told we were facing 200 years. Yeah. The first year, we had 10 charges right. and serious drug offender status, which was 25 yeah. plus the 10 charges. Which the yeah. whole thing was terrifying. Still a life sentence. Yeah. yeah. The idea that your son's in somewhere which basically you've got no control over the whole thing. The whole thing, a family member, your son, is in there and there's nothing you can do about mm. it except do what you can. Mm-hmm. to try and raise the money and so on, which we did. The thing is, um, but when you're a parent, you, you want to put things right for your children, don't yeah. you? You want them to be happy, and you always want to make it right, and we couldn't, could There was we? no plaster <laughs> big enough at that point to make it no. right, so we no. just had But to... you came and visited me quite quickly, didn't you? Your mum, straight away, more or less, yeah. didn't you, by yourself? Well, we wanted to save money to pay for this lawyer, mm. and so I went on my own... The f- first time. Yeah. What was it like trying to get into that Sheriff oh, Joe Arpaio's jail? The whole thing was traumatic. Just, you know, we'd visited you so many times in Arizona and be sat on the plane looking forward to going to your house and to seeing you and spending time with you. And thing, my, my stomach just sank more slowly, more and more as we as as we got closer and closer. It was. The thoughts of visiting your child in 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 prison, uh, especially such a promising child, <coughs> um, it's not what you think. You know, when you've got your children through university and grown up, it's it's not what you think is going to happen, really. Um, and visiting him in the prison, uh, your partner at the time, what was her name? Claudia. 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 Yeah. Claudia met me and she looked after me basically. And Yossi and Anne, I stayed oh God, at Anne, yeah. mm. They really looked after me and took yeah. me to the prison. So you know, I, that was a that was a real help. But what, I, what was the procedure to get into him. the jail? What was the procedure to get in? Oh, what was it you had to go? Well, through to start all off kinds? with, all visitors 
families of people in prison were treated like muck. Every single one, whether you were from Great Britain, where people always say you do know a royal family and so on, you were treated like muck. And one of the, the, one of the worst things was when you went there, you had to provide a state driving licence. Oh, you don't have them. We don't come from the passport. Oh, that's no good, no good. They try and send you off until you protest and so on and make sure the, the ID is good enough. They just treat you... It's a little bit of power... Not paid very much, I don't suppose, but it's the power they have over yeah. these I poor families coming in. I think they were particularly worse in Joe Arpaio's place. That's what I'm talking about, in Towers and yeah, Madison in Street. Towers. There was a, they were bound Awful. there. What, you're they... waiting outside for hours to get in? Yes, you stood waiting outside for talking ages. To, talking, and it's it... so sad because the majority of, the, um, of them in there were, were Mexican. And, you, you know, all the partners and wives with the little children you know you see them pushing pushing prams up the dirt track to go to to see their <clears throat> partner in prison it's tragic really uh, and you, you are you're not treated very well <laughs> whether it's a similar thing if we treat you badly you won't come back and do this again i think <laughs> well the, the family the shouldn't the family shouldn't be pilloried but, like that but no. this is it if no. when you have a you 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 feel like a criminal yourself you you're imprisoned yourself you serve that sentence with them with your child you serve it with them and uh, it was awful lot. The thing is at that point you were innocent till proven guilty yeah, and well, they still treat the families like that. Yeah, they they treat everybody worse pre-sentence because they want to put as true. much pressure mm. on you as possible to sign a plea bargain and just go and do your sentence. The jail is a conveyor belt to the private prisons, so the jail is this overcrowded place where they're just trying to get rid of you as fast as possible. They want to break you down mm. to sign a plea bargain, mm. so you just get shipped off to the prison system. There's not many trials take place, is there, over there? 2% go to trial, 98% sign plea bargains. Mm. Wow. People, like people, people come in who are guilty, uh, innocent of things, and they say to them, just sign a plea bargain, go to the prison for a few months and we'll let you go. Or you can just stay in the jail and fight your case. And people who are innocent will rather just admit guilt to something just to get out of that jail. Mm. Yeah. I see yeah. Horrible place. All right, so you're waiting outside for hours talking to the various families then coming in, poor, poor people mostly. Yeah. And then when you get to the entrance, what There's happens? dogs, isn't there? The sniffer dogs. No, no, no. So it's you the, have it's to at be... the, uh, the prison complex. That yeah. was at, 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 the, at the jail? Do you remember the jail? Towers Jail? Yes. Getting in there. Uh, yeah. Did they pack you down and stuff? Oh, yes, we packed into these, um, yeah, packed all packed together, yeah. Just like animals, really, you know. It's uh, and and uh, yeah, seeing you for the first time in the oh, behind a glass, screen. black and white stripes, mm. black and white stripes, yeah, and looking, you look demaciated and mm. oh, awful. still grinning though. But still grinning. <laughs> he always has that big grin. No matter. I think every time we visited him, always grinning. He still like that <laughs> grin. <laughs> 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 Except that morning of the of um, Boxing Day, bald headed Fred. Oh God, that's a leap forward. I don't know whether you want to leap forward to that yet. No, let's leave that out. We're just going into the beginning of this. We're going to have a multi part. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And they they'd send you back to the car if you if you again that's if, in prison. Oh, was that in prison? Mm. It wasn't in jail. Pyos. No. Yeah. I'm getting. Yeah. They're all running into one. I'm afraid. Yeah. So when yeah. you walk up to the glass, is there a telephone? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it works. And manacles. Sean's manacles. manacled at the feet and to the desk where the phone is. Just about pick up the phone on the other side. That was a year later. Was it? So in towers, it wasn't. Like there's that. a what like a room, like a warehouse room, where all the visitation tables are. Oh yes, it was the visitation tables. Yeah, yeah. 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 So you're out there. Yeah. So do you want me to? We're, sit? we're all in like a cubicle, aren't we? All the prisoners are in a cubicle, just That's crammed it. like I remember this. It. We should have gone. We're all looking, <laughs> and and it like. Everyone's battling to get to the front to see if they can see their visitors and just fight. It's just craziness. So we're all in there like wild animals in this cubicle, like 30 people. And then the visitors just start coming in and they, they, they like go to A9 table. They tell you to go yeah. to some table, don't they? Yeah. So they yeah. see all the visitors first, don't they? Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Before they start releasing us. Yes, that's right, yeah. Yeah. And how are you released from the cupboard you're in? <laughs> so they open the door, and the guard on the door says, um, says a name, and that person has to come to the front of the door with their ID, and he looks at the ID, and he goes, like, table A9. Um, don't talk to any other visitors. And, and there's, a, there's, like, signs on the walls, like... Um, no passing, no touching, no petting, no this, no that. All the, all the things you can't do. Yeah. Are you chained to the table? Not in no. not in medium no. school. I was chained to the table a year later in max. Yeah, because ah, you haven't okay. been sentenced there. Then, then. doubled my yeah. bail bond. Yeah. 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 So you go you go to your table then, and I get out of that glass cage and come and speak to you. Yeah. Do you, remember, do you remember anything of that? Just, just your smile. Just your What's smile. it telling you about the and food and stuff? The Red Death and the... All the horrors of the food, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. All the hor how horrible the food the was. Food. And that. Unless yeah. you flop. But uh, what I remember most is you kept your optimism. You kept saying, I'll be yeah. all right. You know, it'll all be all right. I'll be out soon. Mm. I'll be out <laughs> soon. I'll be all before yeah. Christmas. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm. <laughs> I remember that more than anything, really. The, all the the tales were, were in the blog, weren't they, about the food yeah. and everything? Yeah. yeah. Did you believe you'd be out before Christmas? I didn't know. I was just, oh, it was devastating. Wanted it to happen. I was totally yeah. devastated. I mean, I never told anybody that I was so embarrassed about it. I thought that drug dealers, you know, somebody had come and paint drug dealers mm. on the wall and that they'd smash the windows in and all of this. Uh, I didn't tell... I worked at a college. I was a teacher at a college. And um, one day there were a group of ESOL students, that's um, students learning English, and I came into the classroom and I took it into my head that they knew all about Sean... And I, I, I started running around That's the room. That's when you had a breakdown. I, I came started running up. around the room saying, they all know, they all know, they all, you know. I was convinced. I think one student must have looked at me and as, you know. The wrong and way. I thought, it, yeah. <coughs> and then I just broke down crying and... and um, I came down the college. 
my colleagues said to me, I, I told them, I had to tell them then. You know, and that was the first time I'd told them. And it was like, and, and, and Derek came down to pick me up, didn't you, and take me home. Everyone and, was very nice, of course. They yeah. were, weren't they? You see, I thought I'd lose my job. It was all out of proportion, mm. considering I'd studied psychology. You know, it's hard to, <clears throat> it's hard to analyse yourself, isn't mm. it? When you're in shock. <laughs> when you're in shock. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the, I didn't lose my job. They were all very, very supportive, actually. Yeah, so. So that yeah. visit then, any other memories of that visit? You came several times, didn't you? Oh, we had several visits, didn't we? We've got other. Your dad well, came with me then me on Charmaine's the other visits. On and the next visit, that was with your dad. Was it my dad and no, Karen? No, I, I came uh, later in the year with Karen, I think. To visit me in the maximum security, was it? Oh, you came because we thought we were going to get sentenced, remember? Oh, that was the com commute. Uh, that was com further on. The commutation. No, before that one as well, though. You and Karen came, oh, didn't God, you? Oh, God, I had forgotten about that one, yeah. <laughs> Tell yeah, that about was, that yeah, we one. had to go to the court for that, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah court hearing. Can't remember it now. <laughs> forgotten <laughs> about that. We yeah, thought I was going to get sentenced, and it all got, you flew over and it was all cancelled. That's right, yeah. Yeah, we thought you were going to be sentenced. Did Simpson, the lawyer, did he give us the, that impression? Is that, did that come off him? I think the prosecutor gave us that impression, and then she changed her mind. Ah, yeah. right. That's right. I do remember now that. And, yeah, we hung, hung around by the court, and then someone said he's gone for lunch, the judge. And next minute, it all just... Yeah. Went. Well, there was nothing going to happen. Yeah. I completely forgot about that, to be honest, yeah. So you came to visit me then in the maximum yeah, security? Yeah, uh, Karen was with us. Were, like, have you seen Silence of the Lambs? Yeah. So I'm behind the plexiglass window. That would be Madison Street. Madison Street, yeah. on the on the phone. That's when you were shackled like a, to the shackled. desk. To the desk. I've got a belly chains on, leg chains on, hand. Oh God, that was all odd. these different chains yeah. on. But all this happened before you were sentenced. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Because she kept delaying it, didn't she, the prosecutor? Or playing Be all kinds of because she wanted uh, we psychological thought, tricks. See, we psychological got this trick. lawyer, mm -hmm. and we thought it would go to trial. So we had. Oh, to you did, had no idea, did we? But two percent amount 2%. of money that it would go to trial. But um, so we were expecting yeah. that, but she kept yeah. delaying it, didn't yeah. she, with the yeah. hearings? Wasn't she hoping for the... They were hoping that everybody... When they arrested Sammy the Bull, all 57 co-defendants cooperated quite quickly. So in my case, no one was cooperating. Right. So they've got no witnesses against me. They've got no drugs in my house. So they're waiting and waiting and waiting, trying to... Because they, they arrested over 100 people. There was in various groups over time. Yeah. But none of them were cooperating. So that completely threw them off. They thought they had they had this lockdown yeah. because mm. Sammy DeBull's case, everyone rolled over right away. You thought the same yeah. would happen. So, so they've got all the time in the world to wait to try and get people to cooperate. Mm. And in the but mean, in the end, they didn't. Yeah. Hardly any cooperated. Yeah. So they had... They, Alan said they had a very weak case, mm. which right. gave us That's the plea right. bargaining power in the end. Yeah, I remember that. To get it down to nine and a half Early years. optimism, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> but this, this, all the money that we put up for the trial, it all went because of all these hearings. All the hearings, but didn't, yeah. Didn't they also do a search? They found some uh, prescription drugs that Claudia had, and that, that's prevented her from visiting you. Yeah, so I was spent a year in medium security, I wasn't cooperating, nobody else is cooperating, I'm refusing to sign a plea bargain. To break me down psychologically, 
they doubled my bail to 1.5 million, mm. so I got moved to Max Security. Mad- Madison Street. Simultaneously charged Claudia a prescription pill mm. found in our house that didn't have a written prescription next to it, which is a classic felony. She so couldn't she's come now again then, could she? Co-defendants can't visit co-defendants. Yeah. So everything, all the conditions and the stress and... It all doubled, didn't it, when I got moved? Yeah, up, yeah. it went yeah. on for, was it two, how long? 26 months. 26 months. It wasn't until my third year, till I was beginning of my third year, till I was mm. sentenced. Yeah, that, I mean, that was torture for us. Well, it was torture for you. Because Sheriff Joe Pio's jail result. system is notorious. Yeah. That's when you started writing the, the letters, there were graphic details. Yeah, so, so you visit then, Mum, in MM Towers Jail, 2002, I think it was, yeah. 2003. Dad and Karen visit. 2003, 2004, Madison, Street, Madison yeah. Street, Maximum Security Jail. And then I'm writing all these letters, aren't I? Because the mm. conditions in there with the cockroaches mm. were something else. Oh, mm. it's unbelievable. Yeah. And you guys were like getting intrigued, weren't you, by my letters? Well, I'd, I just read a book by uh, Salem Pax called The Baghdad Blog. And I'd, I was reading these letters. You'd never been into English writing and stuff. All, all I ever read was stock market books. Financial books. <laughs> and I couldn't believe what I was robot. reading. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe what I was reading for two ways, for two reasons. First, the horribleness of the cockroaches, the food and so on, but the way it was written. I thought it was superb. I thought I was reading something like Ernest Hemingway. It was so stark, brutal, everything. This has got to be... So I'd read this book, as I said before, called uh, The Baghdad Blood by Salem Pox, which... Pa- Packs, which was put on online when he was being bombed in Iraq at the time of that first Gulf War. And I thought, this has got to be a good idea. Put it online, put the letters online as a blog. So that's what we did. But because of the danger in there, we had to make it anonymous so he wouldn't put John Atwood's blog. (laughs) It was called J-O-N, John's Jail Journal, the diary, diary of an Orwellian unperson. <laughs> but what about Anne smuggling the blood? Oh, yeah. We're getting yeah. there. We're getting yeah. there. Hold on. This yeah. is the decision making process. The letters, the letters, oh, sorry. The letters <laughs> became part of the blog, but the, the letters got to us by my sister Anne, who visited you every single week, didn't she? Yeah. She was like on a mission, really. She's really kind. Definitely. And she smuggled the letters out through legal papers or documents out of visitation area. Sneaked them through. I mean, she could have got stopped and possibly charged for something. Mm. Yeah, so you guys knew then that Sheriff Joe Pio, like people getting murdered in the jail system, didn't you? Yeah. So you were worried if we were doing this exposing the jail, I would get set up somehow by guards. Yeah. Yeah. They could put a bad cellmate. So that was a danger straight away. So we we, we changed the name, didn't we, to John? And why, why did you choose John? Um, any it's reason? Irish for Irish for Sean. <laughs> Sean. Well, you haven't got the Irish spelling anyway. Sean Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was it. Yeah, so that was that was cool. like that. That, that took off pretty, <laughs> yeah. pretty well. Didn't it just sounded what platform good. Platform did you use for that? Uh, Google. Google. Yeah. And what just created uh, blogger. Blogspot. Blogspot. Oh. Dot com. Wow, so it's still, still the same, isn't it? Still there. Yeah. If you want to see the original blogs, um, deep so shit. So it was free. One. It was easy deep to do. Shit. Yeah. It was free oh, and easy to do. God, you could put yes. pictures on and stuff, but it was very easy to mess with because I wasn't that techy then. I'm not bad now, but at that time it was simple. Mm. So, so we had to decide to how we were going to get the blogs out of the jail, didn't we? Yeah. I can't put them in the mail because the guards can open the mail. So we recruited Antan, um, didn't we? And she jumped at it because she wanted to help as much as she could. Going visiting every week saved Sean's sanity as well, for Definitely. the most part, yeah. every single week. Yeah. So she got those letters out. She initially typed them in emails herself, didn't she, I think? Yeah, initially, yeah. And Sentence then they became longer. 
So then they came over. And, and I you typed, typed them, them out. out but, but, but to get them to Anne was a process. Because I can't just take things I've written and hand them to her. I'm behind mm -hmm. that plexiglass screen. There's all kinds of searches. So I decided to hide them in legal paperwork mm -hmm. and old letters. Yeah. <laughs> now to take that to Anne... I've got to beg a guard for a form, say that I want to do a property release through visitation, got to get the guard to take that form, sign it, take it, and put it through the processes. A sergeant has got to sign off on it. Good God. The form has then got to come back approved for a property release for that visitation day. Wow. And then I'm penguin shuffling up to visitation with my property <laughs> here. Well, I'm, I'm triple chained. And... Um, with all that stuff hidden in it. Mm. And then I've got to give it to the visitation guard who then puts it on his table. And then my aunt has got to claim that property at the end of the visit when she can go and see him somewhere away from me because I can't have any contact and with And he could have decided to search it. Could yeah. have decided to search it, yeah. So there's plenty of opportunities for that. To be yeah. caught, We're yeah. looking at the whole, I'm the whole time like this. Is looking. <laughs> it was a bit of a miracle, really, that nothing was ever found. What it is, they're trained to look for contraband. Right. Cash, drugs, shrinkies, drugs, uh, shanks. Papers don't really. So he's, if, even if you look through it and saw stuff written down in my chicken scratch, yeah. you probably wouldn't have picked no. up no, on it. No, realised what yeah. it was. Yeah. Because that first time, once my aunt got it out and um, sent me word, she, you know, she was home safe. Mm. It was on from there, then, wasn't it? It was. Because you could get reverse phone calls at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a ring, but it was they were paying. No, I would call, and they'd get a message saying, "You've received a call from <laughs> the ah, Madison Street Jail." Yes, right. yeah. that was a sign. That Press, was it. you know, it's this Signal. is ten pounds for five minutes. Press one to accept the call. So, and then she typed them up, didn't she, and sent them to you? Yeah. Mm. Do you remember the first one? Then deep shit. Oh God, mm. yeah. Oh. We had to put Deep my hand shit. in the toilet. That was it. Oh, was oh a, yeah. Let yeah. the sewage through. We'd been without... No running water for three several days. days. Yeah. 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 The smell. You could smell it while you were reading it. The stink <laughs> of the shit. Yeah. And, and sometimes the paper would be like crinkled and it was your sweat, wasn't it? Because there was no air conditioning. They just had these swamp, swamp cooler coolers. Barely worked. So I mean, 140 degrees heat, was Almost it? 50 degree heat on so the UK it's, it's scale, 120 in America. Well, you'd be writing. I mean, you could see it on the paper, mm. you know. I mean, imagine what we felt like, really. It was... Heartbreaking. But the blog itself became like a bridge to Sean because he could read about his life in mm. prison, horrible though it was. It still put you in touch mm. with him yeah. in a real way. Mm. So it was it was a magical thing in one way. Yeah. It was horrifying as well in the other way, but it was really good to do that and to be part of it. I mean, yeah. I did type up now and again. Oh, but I, you did, I did. Yeah. I put the blog up, and uh, yeah. it was a very satisfying feeling seeing it up yeah. there. Yeah, but online. you felt as though you were doing something, didn't you? You did. You know, because that's did. all you could do. We could, we could only do what we could do, couldn't we? And Sean's was the first prison blog, because these things yeah. have been said to have been done by prisoners before. First but they prison never YouTube had. channel mm. and first prison blog. Yes, the first for everything, yeah. Pioneer, see? Pioneer. <laughs> <laughs> the robot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> So that was good, yeah. The, the so who, who, how did you distribute the blog then? Who, like, who were the first people to read and respond to it? Oh, we had comments. Yeah. Um, we did round-robin emails to people, didn't we? We sent oh, emails right. yeah, all over the place. Yeah. 
I set up that other email address, didn't I? And we sent yeah, right the links all over the place, com, yeah. left, right and centre. I mean, it got picked up by other people that, that were interested in blogs, that different kinds of media, because that was new then. Mm. Fairly new, the blog itself. The idea of people doing blogs, ordinary people doing blogs. Because we got a piece in um, that magazine, was it Prisoners Abroad? They had a yeah. thing, there was a piece about was doing there was a picture of me at the computer. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, the first the big one was Karen got it into the garden. Oh, that was Guardian a, that was a while. Yeah, piggyback that, didn't they? Yeah. Oh, what happened there? That was when I was in the supermax. That's when it just the media interest exploded. Oh. And ever since, that's just led to everything. The, they put it in the. the there was G, a big centerfold. The, was it in the, the Guardian? Thanks the, to Karen. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Massive yeah, massive big picture. Was the cockroaches on the picture? Yeah, on the front page of the Guardian. It was the inside. They had, in American, the they had an American cockroach, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. What's yeah. it called? America. My logo. America. Periplantus, Periplantus Americanus. That's the one. Yeah. But I then think. there was massive interest in it in the story. Then after that, wasn't yeah, there? it just didn't. Stand. And you were in maximum security at that point. No, I was in maximum security when it started. I was in Supermax when the Guardian and the BBC articles ran. Were you not worried? Well, what I can explain that in a minute. Because once we were out of Sheriff Jopai's jail, we decided then to release my name because it was that jail that was the most dangerous jail in America. Right. Yeah. But before we jumped to Supermax, the sentencing hearing. Mm. Uh, the actual hearing of sen- the oh sen- sentencing God. day. Yeah. So... I- in America, oh, that was one of the most I remember that. emotional I remember. and traumatic days well, of my life. We did have a lot of uh, expats relations living in Phoenix at the time, yeah. sisters, cousins, and uh, so on, and friends, Claudia's mum and uh, parents, and so on. Yeah, and everybody came to the sentencing hearing. Why was it the most emotional day? Tell us how you felt. My worst Seeing us fear had always this been for us. you guys to find <laughs> out what I'd done. Ah. So now I'm confronted with my sins in the sterile atmosphere of the courtroom. Everything is laid bare and your parents are suffering and it's just horrible. It's just horrible. Yeah, but when they're reading these charges, out, they're all those strange, peculiar, abnormal numbers. You wouldn't know what it was. You'd, done, <laughs> you'd, you'd contravened subsection 2356. Remember, a dot <laughs> eight state code. It didn't, <laughs> it didn't say what it was. It didn't say Sean had strangled someone. Even the actual Even charges were like conspiracy, crime syndicate. They're open to interpretation, aren't they? It's yeah. difficult for people to Money understand. laundering. Money laundering. Was the other yeah. one. It was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, though, get up and speak like oh, that. God. Yeah, we had to give evidence. It was, I give evidence. Try it, and reduce. Mitigation. Mm. If, the, if, if, the, if you've got strong family support, it's a mitigating circumstance. So the judge, he can aggravate your sentence or he can mitigate your sentence, depending upon... And the prosecutor's putting all the things forward to aggravate it. And we're putting all the things forward to mitigate, and there's this battle then. But you had to sort of really bear your soul. Yeah. And, you know, you were sort of begging, really, and, oh, it was just... You, you were trying... Well, you were speaking. You were pleading, really. You know, it was The word it was that comes so to mind traumatic. is humiliation. Mm. Humiliation. Yeah. It's very humiliating. Yeah. Uh, when I started off, what I ever said, it, it comes to something I'm studying before a, a judge in a, a court in the USA talking about my son and begging for mercy. It comes to something. That's how I started off, I seem to remember. And then he said he would change tra- trade places with me. And I, I said I would stand crying. in your shoes. Yeah, I said that's impossible. I, but, uh, I hope you show some kind of mercy on him. That's what I said then. Yeah. I had him all crying then when I talked about 
Everyone's like, come out of your static plane. When you were a kid, I said Sean was into uh, bird spotting. You know, nice, happy thing to do when you're about 12, 13, wherever. Yeah. And our next door neighbours would buy you this fabulous bird watching book. And we saw him one day walking up Hillview with this gigantic bush struck tree What's with it, a an elderberry. An elderberry. elderberry. I said, What the yeah. bloody hell are you doing with that? This is talking in the court as well. I'm saying this in the court, more or less. He said, Well, this is going to attract butterflies, which will attract so and so. But I said, What? Yeah. I said, Get out of it. It won't live. He stuck it in the ground and it and lived. It did. <laughs> yeah. So at that point, they were all, apart from the prosecutor, a lot of this. Oh, <laughs> it wasn't done for that reason. I just thought to bring up the human side. Of Sean, oh, yeah. and I even the stenographer, I think, I was a bit misty. They were, they were all into it. I also mentioned uh, when Sean was such such an age, I taught him to play chess. Within about three or four months, he was beating me, so I wouldn't play him anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we sent him to the local mm. adult chess club at St. Bees, do you remember? Yeah. And you yeah. were beating them then, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> and they wouldn't let you go anymore. <laughs> they wouldn't let you go anymore, they stopped you. So there was all this kind and of thing. And you said you'd heard I'd become a bit of a chess player in the jail as well. Yeah, you, you, yeah. you were playing yeah, yeah, yeah. a grandmaster or someone that played with them, a Russian Russian chess expert in, in the... Yeah, in the beginning it was a Russian, but then Frankie became... Um, he was the he one. He was the one. Oh, yeah. 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 That was good. further on though, wasn't it? <laughs> so he tried to paint this, try to normalise Sean in the eyes of the judge and anybody mm. else that's watching and listening. Yeah. And we did the best we could. Um, and in the end, it, it was a result in a way, but we think it was already decided, didn't we? It was, it was a bit strange because the lead detective was gunning for a massive sentence. And he was sat there. And he was like, yes, he'd, yes, been, he'd been to all the hearings, like proper stalker. When I read the paperwork, he'd been like following me around for years going, I, I'd be in an Indian restaurant, I'd be on the table next to me listening to me. He was obsessed. Yeah, obsessed. So this was a big case for him. And um, so the plea bargain was, it was nine and a half years mm. I was going to get sentenced to, but because I used this, New Mexican Mafia lawyer was a loophole lawyer. I wasn't getting charged with class two felonies or class ones. All that got dropped. I was getting charged with threes and fours. So I was going to get out at 50% of my, the balance I had to serve. And when the detective found that out in the courtroom... They didn't know, did they? No. Did the, I don't think it almost, the whole did, thing almost got cancelled. Yeah. So then the hearing almost got cancelled. I was like, I have to start you from scratch. Berserk. You went berserk. So, so... Then the prosecutor's saying a thing, my lawyer's saying a thing, prosecutor's saying, and the judge goes, right, I'll see Out. you in my, in my chambers. Oh, God, so that was terrible. It was all touching. We fought, we yeah. fought. They've flown all over from England. Every, my Aunt Sue was there, and everyone, she'd flown from yeah. England. We fought then. It was all going to get cancelled. Yeah. I was going to start from scratch. We did. While they were in we that did. room. We did. It, it, was, it mm. was absolutely devastating, that, wasn't well, it? Sue we, was living there at the time, wasn't she? Oh, was she? Yeah. We just didn't know what was going to happen. You know, we were all sat there yeah. waiting for this and we just didn't know. Well, we knew about this loophole like... that Ellen Simpson had got. We thought, mm. this is terrific. What but we didn't done. know how the judge was going to react to we, it, we, did we? we? Well, we didn't know at that point that it had been already designed behind closed doors. That but without the detective's the, knowledge. Without the detective. Yeah. Well, we and, didn't and the know that. We didn't pro, know no, we didn't that. Know that. So and we were like, oh, God. None of us knew this? No. Yeah. So that was then edgy. That was some of the most... After all the crying and everything, and then that... Oh, the that emotion was... was oh, my God, the yeah, emotion just off the scale then, wasn't it? It was like pulling really. the plug. It was, it was yeah. crazy. It was like, we're going to have to start all... I've been battling the case for 26 months, mm. and, and I, it would have had to just restart all over again. 
I forget how long he was it out. Was mad, they, they were the longest mm. seconds, minutes of my yeah, life. Was. It wasn't, it wasn't long, but it seemed like I a don't long time. I don't know, my head was just gone. It well. seemed like a long time. But it, yeah. And then they long. come back in. I think the judge must and have he, just and said he, this. He came gone. back in and yeah. he said, the plea bargain's going ahead, didn't he? Yeah. The judge ruled I mean, the plea bargain's going went, ahead. We didn't know Gosh. what he meant, although we should have done. What's going to happen? Yeah. What's going to happen? We didn't realise. And then Alan Simpson, I think, looked over and saw Yeah. So I had three. I had three sentences. I had a twenty-six month sentence for my back time. Yeah. And then for the balance of 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 it of the nine and a half years, I only had to do fifty percent on the balance of it, which saved us saved me a, a good couple of years. So when we found out absolutely, all the family members and Sean sat there were like hysterical. We were able to. Hug him. Moved we up. went from yeah. utter devastation to like, we were like yeah! <laughs> I couldn't believe it. He's going to serve another, what, 3.75 years in prison. Oh, yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's better than I just got sentenced to nine and a half years. Yeah. This is the happiest yeah. day of my life. And we all went we out for a celebration celebrating on yeah. the night time. And, and didn't, didn't the guard, I mean, the guard was so like mesmerised by the intensity of all. Didn't the guard let me stay in the court for a little bit? He did. Yeah. Yes, he did. Oh, let you yeah. come up. up yeah, he let, yeah. let you come all up to us. couldn't could... touch you at all. Yeah. Yeah. Very close. And he, yeah. You couldn't believe it. it was just and, and God bless Claudia. She brought all her family there. She did. Yeah. Didn't, didn't her dad have a seizure coming into the court? He did. He did. Outside. Yeah. All these Sorry. things that happened that day, just he did. It was all yeah. He had a season, but he still came in. He still came and then, in. And because yeah. Lorraine's son Barry. David, he was a, a manager at. Um, or oh, best keep any details out. Yeah, yeah whatever it details. was. No, no, yeah, yeah. No. And he just invited us to a meal over there. Cop, cop what do they call it? Comp or something. Yeah, and, uh, that was terrific. Yeah. yeah. So we all God, went. That there, was such a celebration. It was just the relief of knowing. <sighs> That we'd got, you know, we'd got a sentence and we'd got a time, and we knew yeah. there was going to be a date and end date when he could mm. come home, and the relief it was just incredible. <laughs> the worst, the worst part is that you think of the rats, the violence, and everything else, but the worst part is not knowing not what knowing. the sentence no is going to be. It's always, it's always that just keeps knowing. you up at night. Yeah. So for twenty six months, wasn't it? We went through that. Mm. Yeah. Well, it was yeah. just, uh, just horrible, really, wasn't it? Well, yeah. more, than, more than horrible. It was just a, a nightmare. Yes, Alan Simpson did great winning the day on that one. Oh, he did. Yeah. He did. He did. He was, you, not, he was good a good lawyer. Lovely lawyer. I yeah. Alan. Yeah. He was a nice man. The prosecutor was joking, saying they were gonna, he, when was he going to get his New Mexico Mafia tattoos? When mm. was he going to get patched in? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did a good job. Yeah. Good yeah. So that was the end of the jail then. Mm. Yes, it was. Do you want to just leave that there for today? Because there's just so much more. We could just add on to other <laughs> episodes. Yeah. We've done um, 45, 40, 45 minutes. 45 yeah. minutes. Okay. Nice, yeah. doesn't it? And we can remind <laughs> ourselves. Yeah, we should say something to all these people who think Sean wasn't in person. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pod- podcast was. Oh, dear Pod- me. I've checked, I've researched that one. He only did a couple of nights in jail. Oh. <laughs> Get a life, for God's sake. Find some... Oh, jeez. People who say this that Sean was never in prison or he was only there for two weeks. How I wish that was yeah. true. Definitely. How I wish oh, we God. were making all Dear this me. up. Yeah. But this is the trolls, Mum. <laughs> We've got not non-stop love and support coming in all day long on all the platforms. The, right. the trolls didn't even deserve acknowledgement. We should no. We, we should be thanking all the people for the, who've been with us. I still get messages to this day on my YouTube saying I was one of your 
blog First followers when it first oh started. Yes, we should say. I was thank, on your YouTube you. channel when you had 2,000 subscribers. <laughs> Jeez. Let's just yeah. say a thank you to all of the people thank who supported Sean. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And who continue to support Sean through his ups yeah. and downs. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> we do it's a, good we to read all the marvellous comments. People yeah. curious <laughs> as to how the YouTube channel came about, Dad. Wasn't there some a video about Queen? <laughs> uh, yes. The, re the reason my channel uh, hyperlink says Derek at is because I started a YouTube channel some well a long time ago, and uh, there's two there are two original videos on there. Well, three of them, and they're still on there if you want to see them. Yeah, they're getting on date. So Sean hijacked your channel in 2000. It's mine, mine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So when we were on holiday in Tenerife, drunk one night, we're in this bar and this. Freddie Mercury, singer from Wales, <laughs> wants a volunteer to go on stage to be Brian May. I'm up there with a wig and a big, guitar. A big curly so my wig. friend, Paul, films this. Oh, it's terrific. I'll put it on YouTube. So that was one. The other one is Paul himself, Paul and the Powerettes at your 60th birthday doing oh, a dance dancing, with Karen yeah. and the friend Alison. So those two videos yeah. and other ones on there as well. But I just started it off and when Sean was getting into putting stuff on early clips from perhaps news bulletins and things. We did like, remember that video, um, How to Survive Sheriff Joe Byers Jail? I'm sat, sat on the sofa. Sat on the couch. <laughs> was that 2008 we posted that one? It was, yeah. Didn't you put some music on it as well or something? I think so, yeah. It's, it's funny. To, <laughs> yeah, but some of, it, some, Everything's still on there now. some of them yeah, early ones yeah. that have got quite a few hits as well, haven't they? Yeah, we had to take some down because we had videos of like guards murdering prisoners in the jail. Oh, it? yeah. Oh, I used to get yeah, you them little clips, didn't murdered. I? Used to get those yeah, little off, clips. off the news stories. Um, so that, yeah. that's how it started, Sean. In the end, I give it all, but I've got other ones now. <laughs> yeah. But I give it to Sean rather than mither about with sorting something. That's why it's Derek at. Yeah. The way it is. So this is the end of this podcast then. And how can people support you and find your book and follow you on your socials? Oh, we'll be back to blue plastic <laughs> No, just in general, how can people... You know, well, find you, you and support you, you, you and get you your tweet. book. You're on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? Um, Barbara at woo, at woo, no, at beyond woo, the end. Mr. D often was doing it. 15. 15. Okay. Yeah, and my um, Facebook is um, Barb Atwood Tiernan. Um, on Facebook, on your Facebook, Facebook name, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And are you doing anything on the socials then? <laughs> Oh, you don't want people. <laughs> you don't want people. No, not really. No. All right, so I'm the not book. Famous. The book. My dad's got a book in him. Everyone else has. <laughs> my sister, my mom, everyone. We've all got books. My dad will be next. Well, so, Karen wrote one, remember? Yes. Girl with a Gun is my Girl sister's book. Yeah. yeah. And my mum's is Blue Plastic Cow. And it is available in all three formats now. The audio book just went up. Lovely Northern accent from our narrator. So you can find that worldwide on Amazon and Audible. And it is extremely highly reviewed. Probably one of the highly, most highly reviewed books Gadfly Press has published. Yep. Bum bum. So we tend to finish with a group hug. There <laughs> we go. Oh, we hug the mic. <laughs> Spin the mics out the way. Spin the mics Spin out it. the way. All right. There's, There's the cow. Oh, There's the, the cow. The cow in for the hug. So it's my mum's birthday and we're going to do a prank on my mum because my mum keeps saying, Sean, 
You've only got three-piece suits and you've only got track suits. For God's sake, will you show up at my birthday in some smart, casual clothing? So I told my mum, I'm going to go shopping for smart, casual clothing. I'm going to take Jen with me. I'm going to get some really stylish, smart, casual clothing. And I'm going to... She also uh, wants a bottle of champagne. So <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. So I did go shopping with Jen for... There's, there's the uh, the footwear. Hugh Hefner style. And here's, here's the smart casual shirt. <laughs> In my car, I've actually got a decent smart casual shirt, but I'm going to show up and pretend that my taste buds have drawn me to this <laughs> and just get her reaction. I've also told her I've got an extremely expensive bottle of champagne. Five quid. No, no Zeco. No Zeco. Doesn't even have any alcohol in it. Just, just going to see how she reacts to all of this. So, stay with us. We're going to be with them in a couple of minutes. <laughs> so we're in the car, about to arrive where my mum and dad are. It's my mum's 75th birthday today. We're in Stoke-on-Trent, going on a boat. And yesterday it was the anniversary, the wedding anniversary. So June 1st, June 2nd, the very special days. Now I'm going to show up with a quiche TV presents kids TV presenters shirt and we're gonna we're gonna see how they see how they react to this let's see oh I can't wait all right let's get out hello hello happy happy 75th happy 75th he's making me film him in moments oh, you finally got some smart casual clothes Oh, you? you look lovely. Oh, happy anniversary. Doesn't, doesn't Jen oh, look amazing you. in yellow? Oh, oh thank you. Yeah, I got some smart casual clothes with the help of Jen. Oh, wow. Do you like them? What's with these shoes? Oh, look at the, nice, the shirt oh. as well. <laughs> oh, That's a David shirt. This is, is this what you meant by smart casual? No, well, not exactly. <laughs> He looks ridiculous, doesn't he? Isn't this smart casual? What's with the shoes? I thought we matched. Can you take the guy with that on them? Jen, did you do this? Let's go with the top. Oh man. Let's let's get your champagne as well. Oh my god. Listen, I chose it. Jen, Jen chose the normal stuff. There's some logistics going on here now. Here you go. Here's the champagne. Right. Have you ever had that one before? No. Nosy cold. Suitable for vegans. Nosey cow. Nosey cow. Nose echo. Al alcohol free. <laughs> oh, you're not a rat. It's a joke. It's a joke. First one is a joke. That's only a joke. Oh, well done. Is that your bottle? Where's our bottle? <laughs> Where, where's your you're going to have to drink that now. <laughs> Can I go around with these on? No, you can't go around with them on. I think this is a joke as well. He's going to put the real clothes on. Oh, yes.